the cuts. <sighs> I wake up, groggy and confused. My throat's dry and my eyes hurt. My daily panic attacks begin. The fear hits hard and I fight for breath on my bunk. Bob goes past in the corridor outside. And I try to cry out to him, but there's no sound. Where's the dog? I push myself to the small window on the far wall and look out. Immediately, my breathing slows and the fear disperses as I gaze out at the familiar view. The sun lights up the earth in all its glory. I run through my usual checklist of all the countries on view. France, Germany, Russia, Holland, now Greece, Turkey, Iran, Iraq. I would never get bored of all those colours. The blues, greens, dark yellows and the sprinkling of white is something I know. I am so privileged to see. I look away from the window, go to my calendar, and mark a cross on today's date, October the 20th, 2012. It's a very special day, as it means that we have been in the space station for two years exactly. We broke cosmonaut Valerie Polakoff's world record of 438 days in April. We had cake and some dancing. The only problem is now I, I fear that our record will go on and on until the end of time. Let me explain. Myself and American astronaut Bob Long left Earthbound for the International Space Station on a beautiful sunny day in September 2010. The launch and space dock were perfect, and we moved in while our Russian colleagues took the shuttle home. Each team does a six-month shift on the ISS, and the moment you arrive they put you to work. Every day is a routine of exercise, safety checks, repairs, experiments and research. You are never bored, which is the point, and Mission Control is your 24-hour contact. They are like your mother and father directing you on everything, even how to take a piss. You get the idea. We are very dependent. Even when we were leaving Earth, I knew there were cuts coming. In October, the government was talking about between 25 and 35 percent in all departments. When you're in space, Mission Control doesn't like to tell you what is happening on terra firma unless it's positive. And two months into our mission, a comms controller let slip to me in the middle of the night that the October cuts had been harsher than previously thought. Our department had been cut by 40% and there had been massive layoffs and future space projects had been suspended. What about our replacements? I asked. I heard another voice nearby and a small argument take place. Then... Uh, um, let's begin our CO2 system checks. Over. 
I did as I was told. Three weeks before the end of the mission and we were starting to get homesick. Bob was snapping when talking to mission control, but this is normal when you hit the home stretch. I had a call that morning and was greeted by Dave Phillips, head of the European Space Programme. Hello, Johnny. How's the old girl treating you up there? He sounded nervous. Pretty good, sir. Looking forward to coming home. Oh, of course you are, Johnny. Of course you are. There might be... A bit of a problem with that, though. Sir, here we go. Nothing to worry about, of course. Nothing to worry about. But at this precise moment, we have no astronauts. Or cosmonauts. Or any kind of noughts. <laughs> Bingo. It's the cuts, Johnny. They were bad. The whole space program was cut down by 40%, then 70%, then 80%. Mission Control is now, well, it's now three of us on an eight-hour shift pattern and two MacBook Pros. The whole bloody world is in chaos, Johnny. There are strikes, of course, civil unrest, martial law, and wholesale regime changes. The UK, Johnny, well, the, the, the UK. I heard Dave Phillips trying to stifle the tears. Well, none of us will be able to go back there for a while. But cheer up, old boy. This is just a slight hitch, a temporary setback. We'll all be back up to speed in a wink. But, but sir, how are we going to survive up here? We need to restock on vitals, I said. <laughs> all sorted. Rupert Murdoch is sending some new satellites up there for his TV stuff and has been kind enough to let us hitch a ride with some vital supplies. If you could maybe just, uh, you know... Put the things together for him in the ISS. Give them a bit of a push outside. He'd be ever so grateful. Give you something to take your mind off things. Yes, sir. But what about our work? Scientific research surely is more pressing than global communication and Britain's got talent. I almost shouted. Don't be sarky, Johnny. You have no idea how bad things are down here. And beggars cannot be choosers. The science can wait. In fact, we won't be um, giving you much to do from now on. We're just checking every now and again. OK, I've got to go now because the, the battery's going. Good luck, Captain. So that was it. The satellites and the vitals did come as promised. We put them together and launched them into orbit. After that, there was not much to do. With no one giving us our daily tasks, boredom quickly followed. Bob and I realised rapidly that we didn't like each other very much. Boredom turned to bickering, and bickering turned to shouting, and shouting turned to fighting, which in zero gravity is a bit strange and very prolonged. We then divided the station into two halves of tape. I had the medical deck and the research centre. He had the engineering deck and the comms centre. The gym was a neutral zone where if one of us needed to use the other's areas, we would leave a note on the blackboard eight hours in advance. It was a tidy system, and we hardly saw each other for the next six months. It was then that Laika, the Russian astronaut dog, appeared. You remember her, the first animal to orbit the Earth. She was dressed in a tiny spacesuit with a small glass helmet on, which she was scratching to try to get off. 
Hello, I offered. Hello, how are you, my fellow space explorer? Like I said, while putting their paws on my knees. That's a terrible Russian accent. I know, I am dog. I knew she wasn't real, but I still found her some water and a couple of dried biscuits. Thank you, comrade, she said, while unsuccessfully trying to eat through her helmet. I watched and then realised I hadn't heard or spoken to anything for a month. I made an appointment with Rob for the comms room to speak to Mission Control, then rung down. I got a ringtone, which was strange. And then... Hello, and welcome to Mission Control. If you need comms, press 1. If you need medical, press 2. If you need engineering, press 3. And for any emergency, press 0. I press 1. The soundtrack to 2001 has Space Odyssey played for about five minutes before a girl, who sounded in her teens, answered. Mr. Control, can I help you? Um, yeah. This is Captain Johnson from the ISS. I think... Can I have the serial number? What? Of your vehicle. I need a serial number. It's a fucking space dating... Sir, if you use language like that again, I will have to terminate this call. Do you understand? I, I, I need to talk to Colonel David Phillips. There's no one of that name here. He's ahead of the European Space Programme. I was shouting again. Laika was failing to lick her private parts. No, you are incorrect, sir. We are the customer services for that provider now. We also deal with the UN, IKEA and Toys R Us. So, have you got the serial number? Jesus fucking... She cut me off. And when I tried to ring again, the line was dead. That was the last time I spoke with another human being. The next year was bleary, a haze and trouble. I lost track of time and purpose. The view was... And is my constant, my pacifier. Over the whole year, I wrote down five things that happened. I can't quite remember anything else. One, Laika found a ball from somewhere. We spent the month of December playing zero gravity catch. Laika couldn't actually catch the ball as it bounced off her helmet when she tried to grab it. We were very happy, until the ball went into Rob's territory. Two. I noticed, six months after the last contact with Earth, that at night, the lights are less bright. Areas of North America are in total darkness, and the UK completely disappears from Europe in the evening, only to reappear again in the sunlight. Three. Rod died in August. I was in the exercise area playing it with Laika and I saw blood floating out of the comms area. I called out his name for the first time in a year to no reply and then ventured into his space. I found Rob's eyes bobbing near the end of the engineering tool cupboard. The rest of him followed a few minutes later, banging against the walls in zero gravity. He was very white, 
and his empty, bloodless eye sockets were exposed. I wanted, for a moment, just to pop them back in. But instead, I, I just left him. I leave the airlocks open now so Rod can float freely in all areas. Sometimes he floats to me, sometimes not. I did dispose of the eyes, though. It seemed unhygienic. Four. The lights at night are getting dimmer. Five. My body is deteriorating fast. My head hurts constantly and I suffer nausea daily. My muscles are fading from lack of exercise and my eyesight is worsening. The station is also creaking and shuddering. Sympathy pains? Or just 12 months of neglect? That's all I have from a year. There's not much I know. One year. All I have is less than a page of scribblings. Where is that bloody dog? Laika! No response. I pull myself around the ship, my body crying out in pain. Is she hiding? That's not a game we tried. Rob comes by. I ask him if he's seen her. Rude bastard just ignores me. I go into the observation area. And glancing outside, I see her. Floating in space just at the top of the outline of the earth. She turns to me. And I can see that inside her helmet she has found the ball and holds it proudly in her jaws. I, I choke. She begs for a moment in mid-space. Then, running with her paws into the vacuum, races off past the Earth. At that exact moment, my planet lights up. Hundreds, maybe thousands of little mushroom clouds ripple across the green and yellow surfaces. Yellow fire rips across the world from all angles and the atmosphere changes into a grey, reddish cloud that begins to cover everything. My constant, my colours all disappear from view. I watch it all unfold and I wonder, did I do this? Was it my fault? Did I accidentally press the wrong button? There was a loud bang, and four warning lights flashed in the observation room, followed by a long alarm noise. I sit here and wait, looking past the destroyed world in front of me, looking way past into space, waiting for Leica to bring that ball back so I can throw it again.